Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. We have what we call a 210 story, and we're real excited about these 210 stories. We had one last week. We have another one this week. So uh, a dear friend of mine, he's been at our church uh, since day one, and uh, we're real excited to have him come out tonight. His name is uh, Brent Mager, and I'd like for you to welcome Brent as he comes forth to share a 210 story in his life. Hello. Four days before Christmas 1999, I found myself on a plane. I was flying home from Toronto, Canada. I had just resigned from a high-paying corporate job. The details of that I'll get into another time. I only have three minutes. So uh, I was scared, but I knew I had 60,000 shares of the successful company in my back pocket. Let's fast forward a little bit into January. There was a guest speaker that came in. His name was Pastor Keith Butler, and he taught on generosity. And I was working the sound booth, and he asked a question. He said, who's your source? And almost immediately, I said, you are, Lord. And I can't, I don't know if that much time passed or not, but in my heart, I felt like he said, then give up those 60,000 shares. Okay. So I went home. My wife and I talked about it, and I was scared then too. But uh, we prayed, and she agreed that it was God. So we gave the 60,000 shares of that stock to the church. And um, that was everything. We had no savings. That was everything that we were counting on for us to to have till I got an income. My wife had a very small job. It didn't, it didn't pay that much, but it took a year for us to, to rebound. And, and during that year, we didn't miss a car payment, a house payment, or a meal. And this is hard to believe. We took a vacation. I know by giving those shares of stock, prayer, and seeking God, he changed our lives. So let's fast forward to Christmas 2000. But before we do, I need to tell you this. During that year, I didn't work, but I took a course by Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it was think like the wealthy think. And I did so well. He, be real quick, he required a lot of essays. You had to, he gave you things and you had to write essays on it. And all I did was give him Bible principles. One of them was live life skillfully. He really enjoyed that so much. He asked me to go out on tour with him and Donald Trump. And so he could interview me on stage. I, okay. That, and, and taking the course in that, I learned so much about a, a certain aspect of life called real estate that it set me on course that it, by Christmas 2000, I was on my way to buying 30 houses. And during that, that year also, Christmas 2000, I'd started my own company, fundraising company, that was, has been very successful, and I still have it. And by the way, that company I resigned from, they called me back 
they couldn't manage my clients. So they called me back and made me an offer. I only had to work a couple hours a month, and they paid me very, very handsomely. It was a good year. It changed my life. My wife and I have been a member of Believers for 31 years, and we've always tithed. We've always give offering. We've worked the youth. We've changed diapers. We've worked the, the media and whatever it, whatever it took. But I want to thank you, Pastor Joe, for being faithful and your sacrifice of building Believer's Church, that uh, a guy like me could come and be a man of God. And it, it's because of a place like this that I could come and learn how to even test God. And I'd like you to read this. This is from Malachi. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a, so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. I can honestly say that in the year 2000, God did that to me, for me. Thank you very much. History. Noun. A series of past events connected with someone or something. They say that if you want to see where a man is going, look at where that man has already been. A rich history that shows every failure, every victory, every moment of pain. His past is a statement of what he's capable of. His future is a story that has already been written. They say that every movement is full of men whose history is heading towards the same future. Where we've been has been our story. And where we're going, will become his story. This is the 210 Initiative. If you're a guest this morning, um, you're going to learn the heartbeat of our church, which is we exist to see a city connected with God. The 210 Initiative, guys, it's all explained explain in an 18-page booklet, which is in either lobby at the 210 uh, centers, and you can find every detail out if you haven't been here or you didn't grab a booklet, you weren't here in one of the services where we handed them out, they're still out there for you. And, but 210 stands for the 210,000 people that live within driving distance of this campus, Believer's Church. Philippians 2.10 talks about every knee bowing to Jesus, every tongue confessing that he's Lord. The 210 initiative is about you and I as a church making sure people confess Jesus on this side of eternity because when they come over to this side of eternity after death, they're still going to do it, but it can't save them. It's on this side of eternity that it can save them, and we exist to see a city connected with God. We want to turn people into fans, friends, and then followers of Christ. A fan of Christ is someone that just says, yay, God, you're cool. I have positive vibes about you, and, and sometimes that's the first step we take. A friend is someone that says, God, I want to get to know you better. I'm going to hang out with you twice a week, or I'm going to hang out with you once in a while. And a, and a follower is someone that says, Jesus, I believe in you, and I believe what you declared in the Bible, 
and I'm going to follow you with everything I have. I'm going to find out what you said, and I'm going to begin to put that into practice in my life. That's a follower. And there's so many of us here that are followers. I'm a follower, uh, but God's not finished with me yet. I, there's still areas of my life where I have to grow. There's areas in all of our lives where we have to grow. That's a never-ending process, but I get so excited when people begin to walk the road and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. The 210 initiative, you know, this year uh, in 2014, we're going to have over 1,200 people that accept Christ within this building. That's a 399% increase since 2010, and every year we've gone up. And the 210 is about us, you know, having 2,000, having 3,000 people within our complex accepting Christ. And 210 is about knocking down some barriers on our youth and children's side and renovating it. Uh, 210 is about helping plant more foreign church plants. It's about local evangelism. It's about reaching out to the poor at a higher level. I'm really, really excited about it. And the message today is 210 connected, but it's also every area of our life. It's, it has to do with every area of your life. And I title this message, We Can't Stay Here. We can't stay here. And I think all of us have we can't stay here moments in our lives. Sometimes it's a frustration time, and sometimes it's God coming saying, you can't stay here. You, you need to make a move. And there's different times. And I had this uh, we can't stay here moment connected to this room right here. We were trying to build this room, and we had to change the zoning. Our zoning did not allow a building this size to be built on this property. So we had to go to Howland Township, have a zoning change. And I had no ideas the neighbors, the neighbors weren't happy with us building. Um, I didn't know that until I went to a zoning meeting, which I thought was going to be a piece of cake. But we had uh, hundreds of neighbors that showed up, and they didn't want us to build. And I un fully understood their fear. They were worried about traffic. And so, I'm, you know, I'm at the meeting, and I say, well, uh, if you don't go to church, you'll be sleeping during the traffic. It won't impact you. And if you go to church, you'll be at your church. So I don't think the traffic will bother anybody, but no one bought it. And uh, Howland Township denied it. They had to deny it. They were as nice as could be with us. And uh, so I took it to a judge to have the ruling overturned, and the local judge agreed with the decision, so he, he didn't overturn it. So then I took it up to the appellate court, and the appellate court agreed with the local judge, and so we're sitting here, we, and we can't build this building. Well, at the time, we're on the other side where Paramount and Super Kids meet, and I'm doing three Sunday services and a Saturday night service, and I am exhausted because back then, I preached over an hour, and uh, we used to have cassette tapes and, uh, for our masters, and they couldn't even use a 70-minute cassette tape. They had to use a 90-minute, because I would go over 70 minutes sometimes. And then our worship was about an hour, and our services were about two hours and 20 minutes. And when you do that three times in a row, it takes a lot of energy out of you. So Sundays after three services, having done Saturday night also, I would go home and I'd be like a zombie. I would just stare at walls and uh, I, could, I couldn't do anything. And Monday I'd wake up so exhausted that all I could do Monday is rest. And I'm really frustrated. And I'm thinking, something has to change. But Hallen wasn't about to give us approval. They couldn't. And I'm like, it's frustrated. Lord, we need to build this building. And a friend of mine called Pastor Willie George. And uh, he pastors in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He pastors Church on the Move, incredible church. And he called, we had a Christian school at the time, and he was starting one, and he, he just had a lot of questions for me. So we're talking about how to do that and what I did and answering questions. And, and then he said, so how are you? I said, Willie, I said, I, I feel like I'm dying. I said, I'm so tired, I can't, I just, 
when I think of the weekend, I, I want to shake. I said, I, it's just killing me. And, uh, and he said, you know, I did that once. He says, you can do it about a year, and then you're done. And uh, he says, you have to have light at the end of the tunnel. And I said, I know. And, and so we talked, he, him and I prayed, and I'm just praying to God, saying, God, what do I do? And God gave me an idea, and I made an appointment with the administrator of Howland Township. His name was John Emanuel at the time, and was a wonderful man. And I went in to see him, and I said, hey, what can we do? I said, I said I, and I'm a young guy at the time. I said, I, I don't know what to do. And I said, can you give me some advice? And it was like Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. Remember Moses was wearing himself out, and his father-in-law, who wasn't even Jewish, wasn't part of the religion, you know, he said, um, Moses, this is really dumb. He said, here's what you need to do. Have all your leaders counsel, and if they hit something they can't handle, then it comes up to you, and it changed his life. Uh, it, it helped him go to the next level. And <clears throat> Mr. Emanuel looked at me and said, Joe, here's what you need to do. You need to downsize the room. The room was even bigger than this. He said, downsize it. He says, you have a whole educational wing. Take that off for now. He said, bring that through later. And, and he said, call your neighbors, have them come to your building, have coffee and cookies for them and tea. And he said, just look at them and say, tell me your fears. And, and I knew I was going to get hit. And I said, tell me your fears. And it went about 40 minutes. And they laid into me, which I understood. Good people, they just told me their fears. But God gave me a grace, and I was able to come back with an answer with a smile every time. And, and uh, when we were all done, I said, let me show you our new building. We made this smaller. We took off the wing. I said, this is what we're going to go to Howland Township with. Are you okay with this? And they said, if you go with that, we will not fight it. And I went with it. They didn't fight it. And we were able to build. And I think in every area of your life right now, there's some of you sitting here. It, it may have nothing to do with the 210 initiative. But some areas in your life where you're frustrated, maybe with relationships, um, may, maybe uh, in an area of purity and an area where you're struggling. I, I want to tell you, if you're frustrated, the best thing to do is to pray and ask God, what's my next step? And God will send somebody in. He'll give you wisdom one way or another, and God will break you loose in that area. But then sometimes, you know what God does? We're comfortable. It's like everything's going okay, and everything's cool, and then God messes up our life, like he did with Brent and his story. You know, give that away. It's like, God, are you crazy? I just lost an income. And, uh, and God deals with us in different ways. And when we're comfortable, he says, take a step up. And, and I like what he said uh, to Israel. Uh, he made this comment in Deuteronomy 1.6. It says, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. And sometimes we're at a good place. We're at a place where it's really good. We're at a place where everything's going okay, and God says, I want you to take a step, and it's a step of faith. And sometimes that's really, really difficult. I think of the, the spies. Think of the 12 spies, guys. Um, they went into Israel, or God told them, I want you to take the promised land. And uh, I'd like you to think of the 12 as 2 plus 10, the 210, the 210 initiative, guys. And uh, think about this. God says, I'm going to give you that land. I'll go with you. I'll go before you, I'll be with you, I'll be behind you, I'll fight with you. He says, but send 12 spies, spy out the land. So they all came back with exactly the same report. The information was accurate, it's, it's how they took the information. And so all of them said there's walled cities. There were walled cities, that was true. All of them said there's giants in the land, they're twice our size. And all of them said the grapes are so big we need two people to carry a bunch of grapes. Can you imagine grapes that big? He said the clusters are incredible. It's a land, like God said, flowing with milk and honey. It's beautiful. And if you've ever been to Israel, even today, it is an incredibly fertile 
beautiful land. It shocks you. You think it's going to be a desert. And there are some deserty areas, but it's the most fertile, beautiful land. And, and God promised it all to him. But what did the 10 say, guys? They said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight, and they're going to kill us. We can't beat them. And then Caleb and Joshua, the two, what did they say? Caleb and Joshua, they said, you know what, guys? They're big, they're bad, but God's on our side, and they're going to become our lunch. We'll eat them for lunch. And that's, that's somebody believing what the Bible says. And, and Israel, the nation, sided with the ten. And, and they ended up, can you imagine, they ended up walking in the wilderness 40 years. Can you imagine walking circles in the same place for 40 years? Now, there may be some areas in your life, relationships. Uh, there could be some areas in your life uh, where you're in bondage to something, you're in chains, something has you. Uh, it could be your finances. It could be any area, and you've been walking in circles. Nothing's changed for 40 years or however long it is. And God's wanting you to change your perspective. And here's what I learned. <clears throat> you have to ask yourself the question, am I the two or am I the ten? And you can't have 210, we can't have 210, you can't have 210 in your life unless you become one of the twos. And that's a question. This is a very holy time for us as a church and for us as a people. We're, we're, we're going to decide, am I one of the two? Am I saying I believe what God says and I'm going to take the step up? That's a big question. And God always rewards. Check this scripture out. Uh, Deuteronomy 1.8 says, See, I have given you this land. Uh, go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. And this could be any scripture in the Bible, any area of your life. God makes these promises. And now here they are, and they have to make a decision. Are we willing to go out there and take that land that God's promised to them? And at the time, you know, I talked about them walking in circles. They, they did have a mediocre life. It was okay. Um, they had this cloud that covered them all day long to keep the sun from them. So that was supernatural air conditioning. At night, it became a pillar of fire, and it, it pushed wild animals away, and it, it caused enemies to stay away. God dropped manna on the ground every morning. They didn't have, they didn't have to go grow food or hunt for food. Can, can you see that life's okay? God, but God says to them, you know what? I have something better. But uh, whenever we want to get to the better in any area of our life, there's that step. There's that step that we, that we have to take. And what I want to deal with today is real simple. It goes like this. We don't get the story without the steps. And that's really important for us to understand. We don't get the story without the steps. And when we take the steps, we get the story. So I'll tell you another really, it's a fascinating story. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be shocked by it. But... Um, when we were negotiating to buy the school building, not this room, but the school building here, um, I had to negotiate. And I want to tell you up front, I'm the worst negotiator in this room. Nobody's, nobody's worse than I am. There might be one or two of you that are equal to me. Nobody's worse. I am terrible at negotiating. Whenever I went to get a car, I took my dad with me. He's great at negotiating. And I would just stand back. I'd say, Dad, I'm not saying a word get me a good price. Because if I went in by myself and they said the car's $25,000, I'd say, okay, you want a tip? I mean, come on. Here, I stink at negotiating. I was in Israel, uh, you know, and, and you, you're supposed to negotiate with the vendors on the streets. And I'd see this homemade flute and they want four bucks for it. And, and I'd say, okay, here. And I had friends that picked them up for 50 cents. And I said, you paid 50 cents? They said, yeah. 
I said, they said four bucks. They said, yeah, you're supposed to negotiate. I said, yeah, but I can't. I can't negotiate. Uh, I'm terrible at it. So, so now the board's sending me to negotiate with the superintendent of Howland Schools to buy this school building that was here. This room wasn't up here. And, and so I'm like a nervous wreck. My stomach is sick. They're asking 1.7 million. The board told me, tell them 300,000. Can you imagine? And uh, I'm like, are you sure? They said, just say it, just say it. Say the board said. I said, all right, I can say the board said because I can't say that. And uh, so here I am in his office. I'm a nervous wreck. And it was Nick Makris, you know, and uh, he's the superintendent. I had never met him. I didn't know him. And I, I said, well, uh, you have your billing for that. Yeah, we have our billing. I said, we'll give you 300000 He said, it's 1.7. I said, yeah, and the economy was much stronger than now. I said, yeah, but my board, they gave me permission for 300. That's the best I can do. And he just looked at me and said, no. And so I left, and then he called me back a couple weeks later. He said, you know, I talked to the board. Come on in and see me. He said, we'll go down to 1.2. And I said, that's great, but I said, I can't budge from 300. I said, the board won't let me. And, uh, and then the board told me to say this. They said, tell him. We're going to take this off your hand. I, I have no ability to do this, but I memorized it. They said, uh, <coughs> tell them, we're going to take this off your hand. Uh, you're no longer going to have to pay the utilities, do the upkeep. We're going to save you all kinds of money. And, and, and I, I know I didn't sell it. And um, so, so he says, no, 1.2. Then he calls me back a couple weeks later. And, and I go in, he says, all right, talk to the board. We'll come down to 700. I'm like ready to bite. But the board told me you can't go that high. Like, but I saved so much money. And um, so... He says, we won't budge from this amount. I said, no. So a month passed. I walked out a month, month. And then one day he called me. He said, come on in and see me. And so I come in to see him. And do you know that steps we take when we don't even know Jesus are setting us up for our future when we know Jesus? God knows you're beginning all the way to the end. God works in our lives even when we're not Christians. And he's working in your life right now as a Christian. So I go in. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know if he's going to tell me someone else bought it. I have no idea. And he looks at me, he says, uh, you know my wife? I said, I don't believe I do. Um, he said, uh, yeah, she was the secretary uh, of the guidance office at Holland High School. I said, that's your wife? He said, yeah. I said, yeah, I knew her well. So I, I went to JFK Catholic School, and in my, the, end of my, the last football game of my junior year, I blew my knee out. So I decided to go to Holland and finish up my schooling because I had to pay my own tuition. So I went over to Holland, and I hate study halls because I had no plans of studying. And... Uh, <laughs> I, I had a study hall last service, or I had a study hall last period. So I applied to be a guidance counselor aide. I like that. And, and I would just, they'd send me to get someone out of class and bring them to see a guidance counselor. And that was only once in a while. And I had that pass. I got my friends out of class. I had a blast. And, and uh, I would sit there most of the time and I'd have coffee with the secretary, Mrs. Makers. But I didn't know this was her husband. I forgot her last name. And we'd have coffee every day. And even though I was a stinker in my personal life, uh, adults would never know it. I, they, they, they liked me, and I was nice, and I had great conversations. Her and I would just sit and talk about life. And uh, so he looks at me. I say it all that to say this. He says, you know my wife? And I, and I, I said, I don't. And then when he told, he told me who he was, I said, yeah, yeah. He said, she really likes you. And she told me, get this building to you, whatever it takes. He says, so I'm going to budge from 700000 And I'm like, Yes, I'm so glad I was nice to Mrs. Makers. And um, <laughs> I was, I, I, she was a nice person. I had a great coffee every day with her. So um, here we are, 
And, and he said, can you come down to 450? He said, that's all, the board told me we can't go below 450. He said, that will embarrass us if we go below that. That's so I said, let me talk to my board. And the board said, yeah, we can do 450. And we bought the building for 450. And here's what I learned. You don't get the story without the steps. You know how hard it was for me to have that story? I mean, I, I went home with sick stomach over and over again, guys. And sometimes God asks us to do something that's really tough, but you don't get the story. You just don't get it without the steps. Think about this. The early church had a story to tell because they took steps. And I just want to talk to you about the steps they took. Remember, Jesus was crucified. He was raised from the dead. And he had his 12 disciples. He had the 120. And uh, he's ready to ascend up into heaven. He spent 40 days. He saw them off and on. Now he's going to ascend up to heaven and stay there. And he looks at the church and he says, I want you to go preach about me everywhere. He said, he that believes will be saved and he that doesn't believe won't be saved. And can you imagine what they had to think? Uh, Jesus, we're going to preach to the same people that had you crucified? It's like, yeah. Can you imagine that step? That's a tough step. You want us to take that step? I mean, they weren't living in America. They were living in a rough place. And, and he said, yeah, I want you to take that step. And it's amazing. Uh, you don't get the story without the steps. Take a look. It would happen here, Mark 16, 20. Then the master Jesus, after briefing them, was taken up to heaven, and he sat down beside God in the place of honor, and the disciples went everywhere preaching. They took the step, and it said the master working right with them, validating the message with indisputable evidence. Let me ask you a question. Could the master have worked with them? Could, could he have validated the message if they didn't take the step? No. W would God have been able to get us this school building we have for 450 if I didn't take steps? No, you, you don't get, you just don't get the story without the steps. Think about Peter. The disciples are fishing, guys. They're on the Lake of Galilee. This crazy storm comes in. Jesus isn't with them. And these are fishermen. And when fishermen are scared, there's a problem. And, and the boat's being knocked around. These huge waves are knocking the boat. And they're scared, and they're thinking, we're going to die. And then all of a sudden, they see someone standing on the water. That would have freaked me out. And they thought it was a ghost. I would have thought it was the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot or somebody, because I don't believe in ghosts. But I would have thought, it's one of those guys. And uh, so, so Peter says, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's Jesus. And so he says, Jesus, is that you? And, Peter, and Jesus said, yeah, Peter, yeah, Peter. So Jesus says, Come, come with me. Come over here, Peter. So now Peter has to decide to take a step. Can you imagine the, 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 the wind didn't stop, the waves didn't stop. So he's, he's putting his leg over the boat, and it's crazy, and, and he puts the other one over, and he begins to walk to Jesus, and he's walking on water. You know, here's what one preacher said, and I love it. The water might have been liquid, but the word of God is solid. And, and guys, that's what happens every time you and I make a decision to step on the word of God. God just does these incredible things in our lives. And somehow God solidified water. And I want you to think about your personal life. Maybe it's relationship oriented. Maybe it's a struggle with something. Uh, maybe it's finances. And God's telling you, take a step. Take a step. And I want to encourage you that if God makes a promise, he always makes it solid when you take your step. You don't get the story without the step. And I know that I know that today God's dealing with hearts, not just for 210, but in every area of your life where he's telling you uh, it's time to take a step. There is this prophet, Elijah, and Elijah the prophet and a starving widow, widow both took steps and their story is still being told. I want you to think about 
Elijah, man, uh, he prayed that it wouldn't rain. He prayed, God, let, let it not rain. And so it stopped raining, and a famine hit the land. So he's at the brook, and God's bringing him his food with birds. Can you imagine birds flying and bringing you food? Wouldn't that be cool? And so uh, he's drinking from the brook, and God's bringing birds, and they're bringing his food, and he's eating. But the brook dried up, and then God had the nerve of stopping the birds from coming. It's like, God, the, the brook shouldn't impact the birds. I'd like them to keep bringing me some food. And God said, no, you know what? He said, Elijah, I commanded a widow to feed you. Can you imagine, Elijah? God, that's a step down from birds. Come on. A widow? God, she's poor. She's living in the same famine. Why don't you send me to a palace? Why don't you send me to the king's home? And God said, no, I commanded a widow. Remember what we talked about last week? Generosity isn't about God taking something from us. It's about God getting something to us. And do you know God commanded that widow because he wanted to get something to her? And Elijah may not have understood it at first, but God said to the widow, feed him. So Elijah comes up to the widow, he finds her, and he's taking a step. And it's like, all right, God, I'll go to the widow. You know what she tells him? She says, I have enough flour to make one cake and enough oil. I can make one cake. And then my son and I, we were going to just die. We were going to die. So isn't that encouraging for Elijah? And, and Elijah says this, the spirit of the Lord came on him. And Elijah says, you know what? He says, make a little piece for me. He said, then make your own. Now she had to take a step. Even though God spoke to her, that's like us reading scripture. Even though God speaks to us, we have to take a step. And I love how this finishes out. L listen to 1 Kings 17, 15, and 16. It reads like this. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord had spoken to Elijah. Now, that's miraculous. You know that went on for months and months and months. Think about it. Every time she made a cake, more flour came in. Every time she poured oil, uh, more, more, more oil came in. Think about the story they had to tell, but you don't get the story without the steps. And think about scriptures that God speaks to us and think about the stories he wants to write. Brent had a story because Brent took steps. We all have stories because we take steps. So here's the 210 initiative. I want you to dream with me for a moment, guys. Dream with me. Uh, you know, I want to talk about planning campuses a little bit, and I want you to dream with me. I want you to dream about Believer's Church turning into a church of 5,000, a church of 10,000, having three campuses, having 10 campuses, having 20 campuses. I believe God's called us to infiltrate communities all over uh, Northeast Ohio. I even feel called to go into parts of Western PA like Hermitage, and you know what? I believe even Steelers fans need Jesus, and they need to be saved. <laughs> And, and that's an act of God for us to step over into stiller territory and to do that. But they need the Lord too, right, Browns fans? And, and uh, so we want to bring them the Lord. And, and, uh, but I want you to think about it. And you may be sitting here saying, Pastor Joe, I don't care about numbers. And, and here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear this. I want you to dream with me. It's not about 10,000 people in five campuses. It's not about 20,000 people in 10 campuses. You know what it's about? As a church, guys... 45% of the people that go through our membership are on church people. So if we're a church of 20,000, you know what that means? That's 9,000 9, people that didn't know Christ that now know Christ. That's what it's about. 
for a church of 10,000, that's 4,500 people that didn't know Christ. And you have a chance to get in on the ground floor. As you give to 210, one of the things you're going to do is help us launch that first campus. I want you to think about getting on the ground floor of that. I want you to think about, let's go real forward. You and I are in eternity, man, and we're high-fiving each other in eternity, and we have our rewards for how we lived our life, and I'm hanging out at your mansion, you're hanging out at my mansion. We're saying, you remember, you remember the 210? And Man, Pastor Joe, I took a step, and you remember what happened? You remember how the church grew? You remember how we reached more and more people for Christ? We're going to be up in eternity looking back, and it's going to be incredible. And five years from now, ten years from now, while we're living on this earth, this is a moment where God's changing our lives. And some of you are like the widow. You're thinking, what can I do? And, and God's saying, I want to get something to you. And can I take a moment and speak to our widows here? Can I speak to people on fixed incomes? Can I thank you for your generosity? Thank you so much. You know, some of you think what I do is nothing, but God looks at percentages. And you may say, Pastor Joe, whether I give or not, it's not going to impact this. And you know what? I believe it's going to take a bunch of us doing that, and it will impact it, because if we all come together, it does impact. But here's the other side of it. It's going to let God do something special in your life, and it's going to release him to do incredible things. We have people in our church, I, I have ladies come up to me, their husbands aren't Christians, and they say, my husband doesn't allow me to give, but she said, this one lady said, but you know, I asked him if I could give from the grocery money, if I could save money on groceries, and her husband said, yeah, you can give out of the grocery money, and so she gives out of the grocery money. You know, she's going to be a champion in heaven, and you might say that's not a lot, but it's incredible. Do you know that um, this, this happened uh, this past Wednesday in, in our youth, Ryan shared the 210 vision with our students, man, and they were pumped up. They were excited, and Ryan made a comment to him. He said, you know, uh, whether you give or not may not change anything, but it's all about what God wants to do for you, and you know that night, and think about this, Wednesday night, this past Wednesday, they, they, had, they had seven people that accepted Christ that night. I think that's absolutely incredible, and we've had tons of people accept Christ while I'm teaching the 210, and I think this is why that happens. They're sitting here saying, this church actually exists for me. It's like, whoa, they exist so that I can connect with God, and that excites people. So I want to I ask you to dream with me, and here's what else I want to do. Um, uh, we're talking about everybody taking a step up. So if you're not a consistent giver or, you, or you know, you've never really given, we're asking you to become a first-time giver. And just ask God, did you, know, did you hear the widow story? This is so cool. Did you hear what God said to Elijah? He said, I commanded her to give. I told her to give. This isn't about me manipulating you. This is about me teaching a, a message and, and encouraging you to take a step. But aren't you excited that God spoke to her? This is, about what's, you, this is about a holy moment in your life and you asking God, what do you want me to do? Not Pastor Joe trying to make you do it. You say, God, I want to become a first-time giver. And you know what's going to happen weeks from now when I come out and tell you the results? I'm not going to tell you how much money came in from here. I'll tell you the whole total. But I'm going to tell you, 150 people became first-time visitors. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to clap and we're going to celebrate because you know what? That's huge. That's them becoming a disciple and follower of Christ in that area. And for those of you that are occasional givers, that means you give occasionally. If you have some money, you give. If you don't have money, you don't give. If you're not in service, you don't give. If you miss four weeks, you don't give. When you come back, you don't catch up. We're asking you, hey, how about bringing God to a place to where he could do consistent stories, not occasional stories in your life, and, and become an intentional giver. An intentional giver is someone that says, I'm not ready to jump into the tide, Pastor Joe, but I'm going to give intentionally. So they might say, I make 50 grand a week. I'm going to give 5%. That's $2,500. That's about 50 bucks a week. And Pastor Joe, I'm going to become intentional in my giving. We're asking intentional givers 
man, come up to the tithe. And I could have tithers stand up all. It's amazing what God does for tithers. And then we're asking tithers to become extravagant. Gene and I have been extravagant givers. We have given extravagantly our whole married life here to Believer's Church. And now we're praying, Lord, what step do we take up? And you know what? That brings no fear in my life. Can I tell you why? Because it's just going to create new stories. <laughs> and, and it's just stories, and I love stories. Let me tell you a quick story about Gina and I. Um, it's an incredible story, guys. And uh, uh, we were in a house. We paid 80000 for the house. And here we are in this house. And it had one and a half bathrooms. And we had it close to paid off, and we thought, let's upgrade. I wanted to just buy a house that existed. Gina wanted to buy a lot and build. And then she found this lot, and, and I liked it, but I didn't want to buy it. And, and she said, you know what, honey, this is, let's just buy it. And I said, okay, I, I, love, I love the lot, but I said, we may not build for 10 years because we can't, we can't buy it. We have to get a loan, and we can't build till it's paid off. So I said, it might take us 10 years. She said, that's okay. I feel this is what God wants. And I noticed sometimes wives are more sensitive than husbands and, and uh, hearing God. And so I said, okay. And I remember, you know, getting the loan, and I began my payments. And do you know that within a year, within a year, God had that supernaturally. Someone gave us the money to pay it off. It was amazing. It wasn't a member of the church. It wasn't anybody in here that knew we were doing anything. It was just came from another source, and God paid the lot off, and we were able to build that house quickly. And here's what I noticed. Every time I become generous, God does this incredible story. So you're sitting here today. Listen very carefully. This is about the 210. This is a holy moment in our church's life. God needs to do something. He needs us to, to get it done. But then God says, I want you to have a story, so I want to get a story to you. But then we're going to pray at the end here in a moment. There's all kinds of other steps God's asking you to take in other areas of your life. This is a very holy time for us as a church. Two weeks from today, the weekend of November 22nd and 23rd, we're going to bring pledge cards in, guys. And it's going to be a holy service where we, we, we just say to the Lord, we're taking this step. And Lord, we're going to give this to you. It's going to be really a precious time. You have two weeks. And I just, here's what I want to ask you to do. Like the widow woman, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's all. Not what does Pastor Joe want. Lord, what should I do? And ask God the step you're to take. You know, if you're visiting today, uh, this, this is about us preparing for you and your family. And this is about us going to step up. This is about us winning more souls. This is about us growing our church, guys. And it's an exciting, holy time in our lives. Now, I'm, I'm going to finish in just a moment. I want to ask you to stay in your seats. Uh, but I want to show you the video. It's one minute long just to show you how to fill this out. Then, then I'm going to come back and close the service out. So listen to this video. Watch it. So you want to be generous and support what God is doing at Believer's Church. Here's a quick step-by-step -step guide to help you fill out the 210 Initiative Pledge Card. Step one, fill in the first space with what your typical annual giving is towards the general fund. Step two, in the space below, add any annual giving that goes towards BCTV or missions. Step three, take that leap of generosity and commit to a gift for the first year of the 210 initiative. Multiply that by two and you have your full two-year commitment. Now, if God is leading you to give from your current accumulated resources, like stocks, savings, and other assets, you can add that additional gift in the final space. For any other information about the 210 initiative, you can visit believers.cc 210. Thank you so much for supporting what God is doing here at Believers Church by being a part of the 210 initiative. So listen real close. Take a look at this slide behind me. Here's what we need to raise. And the first number, the 
200 or 500, whatever it is, 250,000. Uh, 250, That's what we expect to come into the general fund over the next two years, beginning in January. What we need to raise is $1,750,000. So what you need to pray is, Lord, what's my step? Because if we all take steps, we raise it, guys. And on the back of this pledge card, it tells you the kind of gifts we need. Like we need one person to give 400000 And there's people here that can give more. We need one person to give two hundred. Gina and I wish we were at that level, but we're not. Uh, but we're asking God, where do we fit in? So when you grab one of these, just pray. Say, Lord, where do I fit in? And let God speak to your heart. And if we all take a step up, God does his thing. And we reach our goals. But again, let me close with this thought, guys. This is about us going to the next level as a church. And this is about us expanding. And I want to ask you, can you dream with me one more minute? Can you see us reaching 4,500 people and discipling them for Christ? Can you see us reaching 10,000 and discipling them for Christ? Can you get excited about the stories we'll tell as a church? And can you get excited about the stories you and your friends and your neighbors here at Believers are going to tell that God's going to do in their life? And if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm excited about the story that comes with the steps. You know, one thing we do sometimes in God is celebrate. Can we take a moment and just thank God for the stories that are going to happen in our lives and other people's lives? Just just thank Him. We thank you for the stories, Lord, that are going to be told. Now let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, I know this is about 210, and I know this is a short season in our church's life. We're, we're all praying about what we should do, and every week you're inspiring us, Lord. But Lord, I know also as I taught today, you spoke to us about other areas of our life. You said to us concerning other areas, you can't stay here. Some of us are frustrated. You're giving us ideas on how to make a move. Some of us are comfortable and you're telling us, take a step with this relationship. Take a step in this area, in that area. Lord, I just thank you for your direction in our lives. And Lord, if you've asked us to take steps in any area of our lives, we thank you that as we take those steps, we release you to do your thing, and we have stories. So, Lord, this is very holy right now, and we just ask you, show us in our lives what you want us to do in every area, Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The most important step you'll ever take ever in your life is accepting Christ as your Savior. And if you're here, you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a time in my life when I prayed and I said personally to Jesus, I receive you as Savior. I want you to listen up. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of another church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. I'm not asking those questions. I'm asking you, can you remember a moment in your life where you made it real and you said, Jesus, I'm accepting you as my Savior today. The Bible says whoever calls on his name, he'll save them. So if you're here, you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember that moment. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said you can't work your way to heaven. He said it's a gift. It's by faith. He said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. Jesus died for you. He gave his life so you can live. That early church went out, man, and they had stories because they just told people, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you believe in him, he'll save you. And thousands and tens of thousands accepted Christ. And we have that happening here at Believers. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready today to pray. I, I want to I make it real and personal with Jesus. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? And simply say this after me. And if you mean it from your heart, a miracle happens. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus.
Now let's make it real personal. Jesus, I believe. I believe you died for my sins. I receive you as my Savior. And I make a decision today to follow you. Jesus, I'm going to be water baptized like you said. I'm going to read my Bible like you said. I'm going to begin to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.